Well, that was good, wasn't it? I decided to have a new entry uh, music, new uh, theme song. It's been a while since uh, we've been stumbling with the podcasts of late, but I've been so busy with um, Lyric Magazine and Destination Country that I haven't devoted as much time to the podcast. And also, with lockdown going on and the pandemic, I do think there's been less to talk about. Um, you know, there's still always something going on in Nashville. Um, but, uh, it, I think it's time for a rebirth, a restart. And so, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some new theme music. Yeah. Welcome to 10 minute country, uh, with me, James Dakin. It's episode 70. So we're we're cracking on. We're aiming for the hundred sometime next year. Episode seventy: the strange case of Garth Brooks's post comeback recording career. Um, as many 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 of you will know, Garth has a new album out, uh, released last Friday. Fun, awful title. Just a just an awful awful title. Garth Brooks fun. I know what he's trying to do. But it's an awful, awful title. And, it, you know, I gave it a couple of listens over the weekend just for transparency purposes. I am, a, you know, a huge Garth Brooks fan. It was Garth Brooks's In Pieces album back in 93, I want to say, that got me into country music um, and helped me explore um, other artists, you know, from that time, like Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, um, and people like that. Mindy McCready was uh, a particular favourite of mine. Uh, so I've got a lot to thank Garth for. And, you know, he had a great run of seven straight albums back in the sort of late 80s to, to middle, late 90s that were phenomenal. Uh, and then in the year 2000, he announced he was walking away from, from music. Uh, incidentally, on the same day, that uh, Capitol Records threw him a huge party in what is now the Bridgestone Arena to celebrate selling 100 million albums. So I don't know whether they knew that was coming or whether that was a bolt out of the blue, but Garth walked away from music to care for his three girls and to look after them and, um, you know, to be around more, which I thought was an amazing decision. Um, Although two weeks later he did file from... Divorce from his wife Sandy, so I'm sure that had something to do with it as well. Not wanting to be in the firing line uh, for his personal choices, but he walked away from music and uh, he had some. Yeah, you know, he he dabbled every now and again over the years. There was a brief residency in Vegas about a decade later, and some flood relief shows in Nashville. But it wasn't until late 2014 when he began a tour, the comeback tour that would last till 2017 and uh, 2014 saw the first new Garth Brooks music in 13 years with the release of um, Man Against the Machine or Man Against Machine which was a truly spectacularly awful album Uh, awful if it was a debut album from a new artist but particularly awful given Garth's legacy and, and recording history um, he said about the Man Against the Machine album, I don't trust my pen on this album as it's been 15 years since I used that muscle. So he didn't do a lot of writing for that album. And he used, you know, I think there was one co-writer. If you look at the writers on Man Against the Machine, there's 26 writers on the 14 songs. Um, and whilst there was some 
element of evolution going on there because he used people like Busby and Caitlin Smith. It was a really, really clunky... The production on the album was awful. And in fact, this is what one of the themes I want to address on today, on the strange case of Garth Brooks. Three and a half out of five. And when you look online at the reviews, they're somewhere between one and, and three and a half. You know, it wasn't the best album, but nobody really gave two hoots about Man Against Machine because Garth was back out on tour. You know, he is the GOAT. He's the greatest live country artist of all time. He'll be in the top ten of recording greats of all time. But by the time he started to release new music in 2014, country had been through a massive evolution. And, um, you know, we need Garth Brooks as an entertainer, we need him as an ambassador for the genre, but I'd like to propose that we don't necessarily need him as a recording artist anymore. So he spent the years 2014 to 2017 out on tour. He had this awful, awful, clunky, poorly produced, badly written in places, Man Against the Machine album, which, which you know, had no passion or power or storytelling of uh, any of his previous legacy albums. And then in November 2016, he released Gunslinger, which was a further step backwards in his recording career. He co-wrote nine out of the ten songs on this one, though. Um, and it does contain his best post-comeback song, and perhaps the only song that he's recorded in the last six years that I would put on a greatest hits, which was Ask Me How I Know. Uh, although, ironically, that was the only song on the album that he didn't write. Um, but that one has awful stilted production. And when you listen to songs like Pure, Regen Pure Adrenaline and Bang Bang, you know, it's an oddly infantile and clunky release. And it, I don't know, men of a certain age sometimes release albums across all genres, be it rock or country or, or whatever, that are sort of midlife crisis albums. Gunslinger, to me, was Garth's midlife crisis album. Pure adrenaline and bang, bang. You know, I'm sure that's, those songs are going to fit nicely in his catalogue alongside, you know, alongside classics like What She's Doing Now, um, you know, or Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. Um, <clears throat> so I'd sort of given up on Garth. He's still out on tour at this point. He's touring the world, although he refuses to leave the United States of America, much to the annoyance of his Irish and his English and his European fan base, of which there are lots. And here we are in 2020 with an album that's taken three years. He started to tease this fun album back in 2018. So it's taken him the whole of 2018, 2019, and the best part of 2020, which in my book is three years, to release this awfully titled fun album. On the flip side of that, there is some good news about this album. Fun is the best album that Garth has released since Scarecrow in 2001. It does contain some elements that are quite reminiscent of, you know, the work he did on In Pieces or Sevens or Fresh Horses in the, in the 90s. The production is better. His vocals seem to be mixed more in a way that 
has a lineage back to his uh, classic albums of the 90s. Um, if he talks about using a muscle on the Man Against Machine album and it, and it being atrophied and not really uh, worth using, he's definitely flexing that muscle a little bit on fun. There are two tracks on fun, so we've gone from no legacy tracks on Man Against the Machine. We've gone from one track on Gunslinger, and we now have, I think, two tracks on fun that can stand up toe to toe with the songs that he wrote you know 20 30 years ago and those two songs for me are the courage of love and where the cross don't burn on those songs he's finally gaining some traction and some classic garth brooks storytelling but there are still too many trite inconsequential midlife silly songs all day long dive bar party gras there's a gospel song in Amen. The, the style of this album is the big issue I have now and not necessarily the writing and the production which blighted his other two comeback albums. There's an odd cover of Shallow. Now, Miss Yearwood sings the hell out of that song and it is, you know, quite an uplifting, quite heavy in places, um, guitar-wise, version of Shallow. And I like it, but I would have preferred that two years ago. It, it, this album has been three years in the making. I can see that Garth and Trisha possibly recorded Shallow a couple of years ago, but somebody in their organisation needed to have put a hand on his shoulder and gone, that's gone now, it's passed. You know, the, the cultural zeitgeist of Shallow has gone, so why are we releasing a version of it in 2020? And in fact, that's one of my issues with Garth and the way he lives and records and operates in isolation that we'll touch on in a little bit that was, that contributes to one of the reasons why his post comeback recording career is so strange It's great to see Garth writing with people like Randall King on fun. He's starting to come out of his little protective bubble. The three albums that he's done um, post-comeback are, are all the same writers, by and large. They're all, he keeps everything in-house. And I think this is one of the reasons why Garth's post-comeback recording career has been flat and underwhelming and let's you know not beat around the bush oddly, strangely poor he tends to write with the same people all the time mitch russell because he wrote ask me how i know has managed to get into there you know there's brief flirtations with um caitlin smith and busby great to see randall king writing the road i'm on the opening track on fun gay um garth has eight co-writes on fun um, so, you know, he's still flexing that muscle, but I would love to see him write with a completely different set of people. The main problem that I see and the crux of the reason why his music is recorded music, we're not talking about his live shows, we're not talking about his philanthropic nature, we're not talking about his ambassadorial role in country music, we're not talking about his personality and the strength of his marriage with Miss Yearwood, because all those are phenomenal. What we are talking about is why he can't produce an album like he used to produce. And I think the crux of the matter is that he lives and he operates and he works in splendid isolation these days. He's a legend. 
He, he, but he refuses to work with the national machine. He re- releases his own music that he pigeon fences, you know, pigeonholes and fences off so that actually some people, if they haven't got Amazon, can't listen to it. He, he tours independently and keeps everything else in house. And that's great that he is essentially country music's biggest indie artist. But everything that Garth does is vetted and approved by him. And I'm assuming a very close cabal of long term advisors. He needs some fresh blood. It's all done in-house. There doesn't seem to be any wider approval process or quality control checking. You know, he tends to write with the same people. Imagine what a Garth album might like, might sound like if he wrote with people like Laurie McKenna or young upstarts like Hardy or Shane McAnally. If he embraced this new era of writers and artists that have come through Nashville in the time that he was away... You know, even people like John Pardy, Midland, uh, Producer Supreme, Ross Copperman, Jay Joyce, people could broaden and expand his sound a little bit. And then you've got to then ask yourself, he can really, can he, you know, can he really be bothered to produce an album? What effort is he putting in? Fun took three years to make, which for a man, um, you know, uh, who has a recording studio you know, at his house and access to that studio 24 hours a day, it's not really good enough. It sort of belies a lack of passion and intensity, really. And you have to have that to create good music. You know, it's clear that the passion and intensity is there for his live shows, but I'm sure it's not matched by the same desire to produce great albums anymore. say that if you don't change and evolve you plateau you stagnate and you die garth's recorded output post comeback is now in danger of doing that he needs to emerge for me from this protective circle of friends and writers and and you know uh, just close knit advisors and, and take a risk on his next album use a new studio push himself to take some risks tell us some stories and utilize this new wonderful generation of writers and artists that country music has to offer. Tanya Tucker did it on her last album, While I'm Living, and ended up winning a Grammy. Johnny Cash did it in his late in his career by working with um, Rick Rubin on his American Recordings album back in 1994. Age is not a barrier to passion. Age is not a barrier to creativity. Tanya Tucker, Johnny Cash have proved it. What is a barrier is protectiveness it's blinkered it's safety it's i don't want to do this i'll just wander down oh it's saturday at 10 o'clock i've got nothing to do trisha's doing a cooking program i'll just wander into the studio and noodle about a bit and see what comes out that it will not produce great albums i think it's time for garth to do something creatively big before the legacy of his recording career starts dwindling away with diminishing returns you know, take some risks, take some chances, push himself to work with newer writers. Let's tell some age appropriate stories, not just dive bar rubbish. And let's see if he can't find that magic for one last great Garth Brooks album. I've been James Dakin. This has been 16 Minute Country. Thank you for listening.